Well, good morning again to you. I promise there will be no one else running at me. <laughs> um, grab your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, that's where we'll be uh, this morning. And this morning, I want you to think about, um, we're going to be talking about and thinking about pearls and treasure. Pearls and treasure. But before we get to the pearls and the treasure, we need to think about Jesus. Jesus, he was the most masterful storyteller there is. And you would expect that from Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who created words itself. So, of course, he would be the master at using words, wouldn't he? And so where he begins is actually he was in a house with his disciples. They were there in the house. And Jesus and his disciples, they left the house. And when they left the house, Jesus went out with his disciples and he stood on a beach. When he stood on the beach, he began to teach, of course. He was the master teacher. And when he began to teach, the crowds, they came. Wherever Jesus went, the crowds followed. In fact, the crowds this time, they got so, so big that Jesus couldn't stay on the beach anymore. He had to get out on a boat, go out onto the boat, and shout back onto the shore. And shouting back onto the shore, he said these famous words in verse 3. A sower went out to sow. Do you know that he said that from a boat onto a beach? A sower went out to sow. And of course, he talked about the different paths that you see, uh, the rocky ground, the good soil, the thorns. And of course, after he told this story, his disciples asked to him on the boat the question that all of us would be asking, and it is in verse 10, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus, why don't you just say things plainly? Why don't you just speak in a way that makes sense? And of course, the crowds are asking this of the preacher, and many of us ask this of preachers all the time. Why don't you just make sense? And Jesus is here telling this story, and they're saying, why are you telling this story? Why are you speaking in these ways? And Jesus explains to them, it's so important that we know this, In verse 11, he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And so we have the reason by which and through which Jesus tells these stories. I tell these stories to hide the truth from some people and reveal it to others. In this sense, To those who have ears to hear, 
Jesus is ready to explain all these stories. If you want to know the meaning of these parables, Jesus is ready and willing to tell you to those who have ears, let them hear. But to those who have hard hearts, to those who have closed off their hearts, these stories, these parables remain a secret. So they ask Jesus, what's this all about? And so Jesus explains the soils. He explains the grounds. He explains the path, the thorns, and, and, and the good soil, as you know. But then Jesus, when he's finished explaining, he's not really finished explaining the stories. He goes on to say, in verse 24, the kingdom of heaven is like... A man who sowed good soil, good seed in soil. And then he carries on with the story and says his enemy came and sowed weeds into that good seed and ruined it all. And then Jesus finished that story. He's still shouting from the boat on the shore to all the crowds. And when Jesus is finished telling that weed and seed story, Jesus, of course, is not finished. Because he goes on to say, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard. Still shouting from the shore. And he explains that parable, tells that story. But when he's finished that story, he's still not finished. It's parable after parable, story after story. And he goes on again and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And so as you hear Jesus telling this story after story, Matthew chapter 13 is known as the chapter of parables, after he tells story after story after story after story, saying the kingdom of heaven is like, 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 it makes you ask the question, doesn't it? What is the kingdom of heaven like? Or, what is the kingdom of heaven And even for Christians, you know, if I was to give you all a sheet of paper and said, right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down what the kingdom of heaven is like. Tell me, write down what the kingdom of heaven is. I wonder what answers we would get this morning. My guess is our answers would be very, very different. Because sometimes Jesus is on about the kingdom all, all over the place. The kingdom is this, the kingdom is that, the kingdom is this, the kingdom is that. And yet it's kind of hard to put your finger on it. What is the kingdom? And of course the kingdom is really important to Jesus. And we know it's really important to Jesus. Why? Because these are the very first words Jesus said. You know, for any parents, do you know what they want to hear from their children? They want to hear the very first words, don't they? The very first words are really important. And you know what your first kid, you know what you do? You write it down in a little book, don't you? This was their first word. Then your second kid, you kind of write half the sentence. And your third, you forget about writing it all together. But the first words, they are really important, aren't they? And Jesus' first words, as recorded by Matthew in his ministry, when he went out to the public ministry, do you know what Jesus' first words were? They were these. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
The kingdom is really important to Jesus. And so the kingdom should be really important to us. And it is so important for us to know what this kingdom is. Because whatever this kingdom is, it demands a response from you and me. Because Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I think Jesus said this because of this. All of us, every single one of you in this room, including this preacher, we all like to be our own little kings in our own little kingdoms, don't we? All of us. Think about it for a second. Think for a second about the kingdom of house. The kingdom of house. In your house... Is there someone in your house who says, this is my room? Anybody in your house says that? This is my kitchen. This is my TV room. Or, this is my house. All of us like to be kings in our little kingdom. And you know that you have a kingdom when you have your own throne, don't you? There's certain rooms in the house, kitchen table, that's my seat. Or in the living room, that's my chair. You know you're a king when you have your own throne and maybe even your own scepter too. They call it the remote control. You have ultimate control over that. Anyone touches that, they're in trouble. We all like to be our kings in our kingdoms. And that's just not the areas of our life like the house. That's actually in our, true of our lives. We like to rule. We like to reign. We like to be the king. And that was the problem in the garden, wasn't it? They wanted autonomy from God. They wanted to be their own kings. And from that moment on, Jesus set out on a plan. God set out on a plan that there would come a seed through the woman who would fix this king problem on this earth. And his name is Jesus. And he came and he said, repent for my kingdom has come. And what that means for you and me is you and me need to let go of our kingdoms and embrace his. We need to say, it is no longer me who rules in this kingdom. It is you, King Jesus, and my life belongs to you and you alone. So I'm going to repent of my kingdom and I'm going to trust in yours. And what this kingdom means is this. God's rule and his reign has come onto this earth. And it is being established through his people, through his word. And one day that kingdom will come and Jesus will finally establish it when he comes again. So he calls all people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Have you repented? Have you relinquished your life, rested it upon King Jesus? Because that's what the kingdom is. It is the rule of King Jesus. And have you given your life to King Jesus. That's what the kingdom is. But you still have to ask what the kingdom is like. What is the kingdom like? 
Because Jesus said the kingdom is like these, these soils, you know, you know, the, these seeds that are planted in these good and bad soils. The kingdom is like this sower who goes out and, and sows good seed and, and weeds come. So the kingdom is like soil and seed and the kingdom is like seed and weed and the kingdom is like a mustard seed and grain and the kingdom is like leaven and you kind of go, what is this kingdom like? And to know what the kingdom is like, you need to go back to the boat. Because Jesus goes back to the boat, right? And the crowds are still there, but he doesn't stay on the boat. He goes from the boat and he leaves the crowds and he says to the disciples, come with me. And they go back into the house. And there in the house, the disciples ask the question that all of us would be asking. Verse 36, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Tell us what you're talking about. They have ears to hear. They want to hear. They want to know these stories. They want these things explained to them. Tell us what the kingdom is like. We want to know. And so every believer, everyone who has surrendered to the king will want to know the king's stories. And that's what the parables are. They're the king's stories. They're kingdom stories. And when he finishes explaining the weeds, you know what? Jesus still is not finished so i told you we talk about treasure and pearls so let's talk about it and so can any of you hazard a guess as to how jesus is going to start verse 44 the kingdom of heaven is like Jesus really wants you to know what the kingdom of heaven is like. So if you come out of here this morning not knowing what the kingdom of heaven is like, I haven't done my job or you probably haven't done yours. Right? Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This It's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is like treasure in a field. And remember who Jesus is saying this to. The crowds, they're gone. There's no Pharisees trying to kill him. There's no Sadducees trying to trick him. There's no people trying to be healed by him. There's no other people trying to be fed by him. It's just him and his disciples in the house. And he brings them aside and he comes and he takes them and he says, My disciples, listen to me. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. Meaning this. It's a very simple point he has. The kingdom is valuable, more valuable than anything else you can think of on this planet. This is the kingdom of God. It is like treasure that is hidden. And you get that sense from the kingdom that it it is a hidden kingdom in some ways. It, It is hidden from many, many people in this world. In fact, many people would think what we are doing right now is insane, stupid and foolish. Why would you bother gathering into a room with masks? Why would you bother sitting here listening to a person speak the Bible? Why would you bother doing any of that stuff? Because the kingdom is hidden to them. But to those who have found the kingdom, this is treasure. His word is treasure. 
The kingdom is precious to us. We would rather have nothing else than to be here. You say in this room, on those seats, with those doors open, as you freeze to death, why would you be here? Because the treasure. The treasure. And you get this sense here. People want to find treasure, don't they? In this world, people want to find treasure. You know, uh, last summer, we were on holidays. We were on holidays and we went to a beach in Ireland. And I don't know if beaches in Ireland count as a beach holiday. It doesn't really. But we went to a beach in Ireland. And we were sitting there at the back of the beach. And there was this, this man there. He was, you know, fur- further off. And he was kind of waving this black stick over the sand. And I was kind of wondering what he was doing. And as he came closer, I, I, I began to discover what he was doing. He was waving this metal detector over the sand. And he had his, you know, things over his ears. And he was waving this metal detector. And he had his bag with him. And he was ready. What was he looking for? He was looking for treasure. And I, I had a euro in my pocket. And so I have a bit of rebel in me. I don't know if you know that yet. But you will find out soon. And I... I wanted to take this euro and throw it onto the beach because I wanted to see what this guy looked like when he found the treasure. As I took the coin, Luana stopped me because she's the sensible one in the marriage. And so I didn't do that. But this guy, what was he looking for? He was looking for treasure. He was a man looking for treasure. But that man, was different to this man. Because you got the sense on the beach that day that that man was ready. He was looking. He had his bag. He was ready. He was looking for the treasure. But this man, you don't get the sense he's doing that. Why? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found. And then he covered it up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he had, has, and buys the field. He didn't have a bag ready for the treasure. He had... He found it. In other words, he kind of happened upon it. You say, why would he ever happen upon treasure in a field? Because they didn't have AIB back in the day. They didn't have the Bank of Ireland back in the day. So where did they put their treasure? They put it in a field. And if you were working in the treasure, what might have you have happened upon? You might have happened upon some treasure. So this guy happens upon it. Found it. And when he finds it, he says... I've got to cover this thing up. And when I cover it up, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell everything because that field, that treasure in that field is important to me. And you get this sense. He's wowed by his discovery. Just happens upon it. And you get that sense all the time in the scriptures. You know Paul, right? Many of us know of Paul. What happened to him? Paul was beaten, you know that. He was shipwrecked. The guy was even bitten by snakes. I mean, come on. He was put in prison. He did all of this. Why? Because he found the treasure. Right? Those disciples had nets in their hand. They were doing their job. And they drop their nets, leave their work, run out of the office. Why would you do that? Because they had found the treasure. Zacchaeus, 
The little man up in the tree. Sitting there. He goes back. And he'd stolen from loads of people in his life. And he goes back and he gives them back all the money he had stolen. Why? Because he had found the treasure. And guess what? Each of them, they weren't even looking for it. Paul, he was on the road to Damascus to go and kill Christians and the treasure found him. The disciples, they were doing their job on the beach. They dropped their nets because the treasure found them. Zacchaeus, he was wondering what was going on. He wanted to catch a glimpse. And the treasure stood beneath that tree and said, I'm going to your house today. The treasure found him. Because you can't have a kingdom without a king. And the king of the kingdom is Jesus. And the treasure ultimately is him. And so when you found him, you found the treasure. Do you remember the day you found him? (laughs) Do you remember the day you found the treasure? You said, I'll sell everything I have for this guy. He deserves all of my life. Do you remember that? Oh, how precious was the treasure. And I do say was. Sometimes what can happen to us is we lose sight of the preciousness of the treasure that we have. Have you lost sight of it over the past few weeks and months? You know, me in my, in my, in my faith, in the last few weeks and months, it's kind of felt something like this, a kind of a deflated balloon. Have you felt that in any way? I mean, it's ebbed and flowed. Sometimes it's been great. Has that felt that way? It probably has because we haven't been able to gather together or meet together or be God's people or hear God's word. Have you felt like that in your life? Probably you're losing sight of the preciousness of the treasure. And so could I encourage you to go back into your life and continue to sell all that you have for the treasure. And so here's what I'd ask you to do today. First thing is this. Make sure you have sold your kingdom. Make sure you have put it up for sale. And don't just put it up for sale and not listen to any offers because that's what people do all the time. They put the sign out but they're not ready to listen to any offers. Put it up for sale and sell all that you have for the kingdom. Make sure this morning that Jesus is your king. He deserves all of your life, not just some of it. Sell all you have for the king. Sell your kingdom. And I would encourage you also in this. Sell all of your plans. We make plans, don't we? Here's how we make plans. Here's what we do. 
we, we categorize our life, right? Don't you do this? I do this. You categorize your life. You have your work box. You have your um, family box. You have your leisure box. You have your entertainment box. You have your money box. You have all these boxes. You car- categorize your life so you can plan your life out. The other thing we do with our life is this. We not only categorize our life, but we, we list our life. We make, we make lists of things and we, we put everything on a family, um, a, a church, all these things, and we put them all on the list, our work, all that stuff and we categorize our life and we prioritize our life and it's not necessarily wrong to do those things but often what happens to us is this when we categorize our life we do this Jesus just becomes one more category family work let's put Jesus in there it's one more category or with our list family work uh, entertainment and Jesus. Let's put Jesus up there because I know I have to have Jesus on the list. Of course we have to have Jesus on the list. Everybody knows that. There's a problem. This says Jesus is the category of your life. Jesus is the list of your life. And everything else in your life revolves around him. He is the treasure. So my family life revolves around him. My work revolves around him. My time revolves around him. Every decision I make in life is based upon him. And you know what happens when it's based upon him? I become a better friend. I become a better work colleague. I become a better husband. Because he's my king. Sell all that you have to buy the treasure. When Jesus finishes talking about the treasure, you know something, don't you? Jesus isn't finished, is he? He's not finished. And can any of you guess what he's going to say next? Verse 45, and we'll finish with this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Before you leave this room, hear this. Jesus wants you to know what the kingdom of heaven is like. You say to yourself, isn't Jesus just telling the same story? You've got treasure and you've got pearls. You've got, you've got them finding it. You've got them selling all they have and you've got them buying it. It just seems like all the same stuff, doesn't it? It seems like it's just all the same stuff happening over and over again. But there is one difference. And the difference is this. The difference is between the man and the merchant. The man, he found the treasure. He happened upon the treasure. But the merchant, what was the merchant doing? He was searching for the fine pearl. So you've got that in life sometimes, don't you? Some of us, we're just strolling through life, not looking for anything. And some of us, We are in life looking for something of great value. We want to find the pearl. Isn't that what all of us are? 
All of us are looking for pearls, aren't we? Do you ever ask yourself, why do I spend so much time of my day on this screen? I ask myself this, right? So I'm not just pointing at you. Here's what my family sees a lot of the time. They see that. Doesn't that look silly? Doesn't that look foolish? Here's what they see. Do you ever ask yourself, why do I do that all the time? And if you ever get the app that tell, asks you how many hours you spend on this thing, it is ridiculous. You think you're not spending much, but don't fool yourself. It's ridiculous the amount of time we spend. Why do we do it? What are we searching for? Do you remember when you just used to wait for a bus like this? But now we wait for a bus like this. What are we searching for? What are we looking for? I would say pearls, aren't we? Looking for the pearl of recognition. Did they see my picture? Did they see my rant? Looking for the pearl of entertainment. How am I going to fill the void in my life? Looking for the pearl of love. How can we be loved today? The pearl of materialism. What other item can I buy with just one click, right? That's why they make it easy. We're all looking for pearls. We're all searching for pearls. There is only one pearl of great price. And his name is Jesus. Because without the king, you cannot have the kingdom. And let me tell you, he is worth selling all that you have in order to buy this pearl. Because when you buy this pearl, your sins are forgiven. When you buy this pearl, you are reconciled to God. When you buy this pearl, you are made righteous. When you buy this pearl, you get eternal life. When you buy this pearl, you are set free. When you buy this pearl, you are redeemed. When you buy this pearl, you are justified. When you buy this pearl, you are sanctified. When you buy this pearl, you have every spiritual blessing there can ever be. Why would you not sell all you have in order to get the pearl of Jesus Christ? When you find Him, you want nothing else in life but Him. Sell all that you have for Him. Why do I say all this? Why did I not continue in Peter this morning? Because I think you are at the most significant time in your life's history. Do you know why? Because you have never experienced a pandemic. 
You've never experienced quite what you've experienced in the history of your life. You've never experienced quite what you've experienced in the last year. And what's happened to you in the last year is everything has been stripped away from you. Your leisure, your entertainment, your, your, your money, your jobs, whatever, all that stuff has been stripped away. Where you spend your time, everything has been stripped away. And now in this moment, we sit with a choice on our hands. Because as the gates of the world open up, we need to choose. Is it going to be his kingdom this time or my kingdom? Am I going to fill up my life with all my stuff again? And crowd it out so I have no time for Jesus? Or am I going to make my life all about Him? Am I going to sell all that I have for the pearl of great price? I would encourage you... (laughs) Before you start signing up to everything again. Start going back into your life again as normal. Make sure. Make sure. You think of the pearl of great price. Don't run away from the treasure. Go and buy it. Go and buy it. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you'd help us this morning to know what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is of great value, of great worth, of great price. Pray that we'd sell all that we have just to buy it. Lord, I ask for each one in this room that you would be the category, that you would be the list. That you, Lord Jesus, would be first truly in our lives. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Briefly we're going to share in the Lord's table right now. Jesus, as he was eating, he took the bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to disciples. He said, take this. This is my body. And then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink it, all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus called on us to remember his death on the cross. Let us remember this morning what the pearl has done for us. This morning as the cup and the bread come to you, you'll just hold it there. Um, If you are the Lord's, we would encourage you to take from it. Um, If you'd rather have it pass you by, please uh, let it pass you by. Take no embarrassment in that. And during this time, you can keep the cup and the bread with you. And at the very end, we will take it together. And we are going to sing, uh, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. So let's sing that and then we'll take the cup and bread together at the end.